Do you want me to really say it tonight? On this dark and stormy Tuesday night of the turbulent, stygian soul of man. Do you want me to really say it? Do you think you're up to it? Do you think you could take it? I mean, say, it, I-T. It would not be a bad suggestion at this juncture for you if you have a complete unabridged dictionary of the English language to look up the word it. It's a great word. This is a word that has pursued men since almost before the time he can remember being pursued. Do you recall as a small child being called it? You're it, Charlie! What did they mean by it? You are it. What it? And yet everybody secretly knows what it we're talking about. Everyone all of his life feels like he's it. Some guys are tagged, other guys do the tagging. And yet both taggers and the tagged alike know that under all those, all those layers of cellophane, feathers, guilt, finery, tropical helmets, Bermuda shorts, gold lame gowns, we are all it. It. Do you really think you want me to say it tonight? <laughs> what is it? What is this thing we've been trying to express, this it? Every time a writer sits down, a serious writer, gets the typewriter out, he gets the paper out, Don. Gets the carbon out looks around his study. He sees all the lined-up volumes of forgotten lore, Sophocles, Aristotle, Dale Carnegie, all the great writers of the past. He looks up and down. His hands play over the space bar. He looks into the middle distance, and tries to say it. What is it, you know? What is it we're trying a guy's a guy down in his his cellar studio, a sculptor, takes this big chunk of granite with the fervor burning in his eyes grabs those cold chisels and he starts to hack. Clunk, clunk, clunk. My God! I'm... He's trying to say it. You know? What is it? I 
I mean, a guy gets up in front of the congregation on Sunday, opens up the book, looks down over the assembled faces. The light is filtering through the stained glass windows. Takes a deep breath. My fellow sinners, we are gathered today on this Sunday afternoon. He's trying to say it. Really? Some guy in his pad down in McDougal Street, stoned out of his skull, reeling around, goes to the window and looks down and he sees these people thronging humanity, fist-fighting and yelling on the motorcycles, moving up and down. The chicks, he looks out, he takes his cheap bottle of wine, throws it out and says, There! Pulls his hair out by the roots, flings himself down on the mattress, ticking, swats his chick in the mouth. He's trying to say, It. <laughs> What is it? What is it? No. No, no. Oh, no. A guy standing on the, on the floor of the stock exchange. Fat cigar smoking. He looks up there and they're flashing those returns. He's making his signals and his signs. The fervor, the light, the fire is upon him. He sells and he buys and he sells and he buys. Sells and he buys again. What's he trying to do? That's right. Ahab. Riding those dark, age-old waves. You really want me to say it tonight? <laughs> Do you think anybody can? Really? Do you think anyone should really try? But of course, this is a ridiculous thing to say. Try. Try. I remember I had this grandfather once. Never talk about grandfathers, you know. Had this grandfather who every time we would visit his house, which was an overheated apartment on the south side of Chicago, with the sound of steam radiators echoing continually summer and winter. It seemed like you could hear nothing but radiators in this place. It's the one thing I remember. And this old grandfather who was fat and named Grandpa Charlie... What was his name? Grandpa Charlie. I don't know what his what his real. I guess he was born Grandpa Charlie. Everybody called him Grandpa Charlie. The only thing that I remember clearly about Grandpa Charlie was every morning he would go. <coughs> he would crow like a rooster on the south side of Chicago in an overheated apartment that sounded. Nothing more than the sound of escaping steam. 
he would crow like a rooster. That's what he would do. And then he would finish crowing like a rooster and then laugh out of his skull. You'd hear him laughing. What was he trying to do? What was he trying to say? What are we all trying to say? By tomorrow morning at this time, I'll be knee-deep in tracks. Mr. Shepard, I understand your program very well, and I would like to suggest that a good reading of chapters 17, verses 9 through 34 would do you a great deal of good. As what we all try to say. Yes. What are we trying to say? What what are we trying to say? So many different ways to say it. Or at least try to say it. And ask Spitalauk. Who is, who is, who is? Hick, hike, hoke. In hock, agricola, come. tune to keep. Difficult tune. So many wild ways to say it everywhere. Her guys.
This is a very difficult tune, too. I... Do you really want to say it tonight? On a Tuesday? With everyone standing around innocently? Unsuspectingly? Expectantly? Apprehensively? Irritatedly? <laughs> There's so many ways, you know. Speaking of being carried away, this is WOR, AM with FM, New Yorkie. That's a very hard tune to keep. And in fact, I guess when you really say it in the end, that all tunes are hard to keep. So many ways, you know. Everybody's, it's, it's uh, like a gigantic escalator. Enormous escalator, you know. Big signs that says, keep your hands off the, off the banisters. And you're going up and up and up. Strangely enough, this escalator seems to go sideways at the same time and down at the same time. Very difficult escalator. Some guys are pointing up, that's the way it goes! Other guys are saying, what are you talking about? Out of your skull, it's going that way, down! Seventeen other guys are saying, no, it's going at an angle, off towards the left there. In the general direction of that cloud. In the general direction of the cloud. It's going over that way. No, no, by God, it's going that way. It's going off to the right. What are you talking about? It's going to the right. Oh, do you mean it's going down? Anyone can see it's going down. Come on, man. Pick up your jug. It's going down there, man. It's going down. Anyone can see it's going up. Yeah, what do you mean up? It's going down. It's going sideways. It's not going any of those ways, man. It's spreading out all over, everywhere. In all directions at once, it's going. <laughs> Anyone can see that? Oh, in hot, look, Anyone, stop it. Oh, who can understand you? Oh, you shriveled fathead. Oh, oh, there it is. Which way is it going? Oh, oh, oh. I know which way it's going. Follow me. 
That's a uh, tune to follow, actually. A very difficult thing to follow, really, in a way, I suppose. It's like you're following your own act. I don't know whether Lawrence Olivier could follow Olivier. Have you, ever had a, have you ever had a terrible desire to play a tom-tom? You know, you sit there and you watch the newsreels or you watch the, the movies where they're showing these guys in Nigeria someplace. I remember one time I'm walking through a market in a town named Enigu on the coast of Nigeria. And there were two guys standing next to a place that were selling plastic toilet seats. I'm telling you the truth. They were selling pla- That's what they were selling. And yeah, and, and you wouldn't believe it. And and that that unimaginable tropic sun is beating down. One guy's got a purple robe on. The other guy's got a green robe. And they are opening crates of new plastic toilet seats. They had just gotten in a big shipment, and they're opening them. And a third guy wearing a pink robe is standing behind them, playing playing the tom toms. He's got these tom-toms going, and I'm standing there, the fourth member of the party, just watching. No, give me the tom-toms there, Don. No, no, not those guys, the natives. For crying out loud, blowing the horns there. So I'm standing there, and, and this, the, these guys are beating away on the tom-toms. Hold it there, Don, hold it, hold it. And you know, I'm standing there, and he holds a little thing under his arm. He's got this thing. Under uh, he sort of under the left arm, and he has two long sticks. He holds one. He holds his arm cocked. It's a little tom tom they carry under their arm. You've never seen this kind, have you? And it's, his left arm is cocked, and in his left hand he has a little stick that's curved on the end. It has a little round. His right hand he has a longer stick that's curved. It's curved like a fish hook, and on the end of the curve is a round knob, and he's going. And, and I'm, st- yeah, I can do that. So I'm standing there, you know, and I'm watching this thing. And, and the next thing I know, I want to fall in with the guy. You know, I want to lay in. I want to, I you know, I want to grab a drum and start, you know, blowing. And I don't know what made me want to do it. I'm standing, really, right in the middle of my, I used to go. I want to drop right in, you know. Well, it's funny how you how you find these things out about yourself. You never find out about them watching the newsreels. You got to go there where that sun is beating down on the top of your skull, where you can smell the bodies of 17 million dead crocodiles, going all the way back to the year one, and you can smell the heat. You know, heat has a smell, just by itself. Nothing to do with things de- decomposing, it's just the heat. And these guys are standing there beating it out. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, man, beat it out. And I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then, it seemed like about four semesters later, I go into Westminster Abbey. 
Have you ever been in Westminster Abbey, really? Well, you know, they don't let you take pictures in there. And when you get in, right, right by the door, Westminster Abbey, there's a little doorway there, see? Gray, London Day. And there's a sense always that the sea is about to just, you know, wash the whole thing away. And the Thames is not far away. And a couple of old duffers are asleep on park benches out in front of this place. And you walk in through a deceptively simple door. It's like walking into somebody's back kitchen. That little wooden door there, you know. You walk in. The big sign says, no cameras, please. And you turn right. And the instant you get in, there is a kind of lectern. And on the lectern is a book. And on the book are all the names of the people who were killed in the air raids. In the Battle of London. Yes. Fascinating book. And it tells, th there'll, there'll be a little entry. It'll say, uh, September 7th, 1939. And it'll give the block. It'll say, uh, number 17 through number 48, St. James Place. 2.30 a.m. And a list of the people. It's very eerie. And you read this, there's a little light over it, there's a little plaque above it, and then you turn left again, and you're in the Abbey. Well, Westminster Abbey is difficult to describe in, in ordinary terms. You cannot describe it. I, you can be anti-British, you can be anti-anything, you can be pro-anything. It is still impossible to describe. The only thing that I know that is close to it are certain aspects of the Vatican, which also is impossible to describe. You just can't. Possible. Well, you turn left and you get in, and this thing stretches up so high and so dark that it's like you're looking backwards. You're looking backwards through some long tunnel into some unimaginably remote land. And you can see gray clouds floating up there. Yes, I don't think anybody's been at the ceiling of Westminster Abbey since probably 948 when they put it up, <laughs> or thereabouts. And it arches up over you, and you start walking through this place, and as far as you can see, everywhere you go, little stones and things, little things scratched on it, little names. You know, little names like Canute the Bald, Hunrath the Red. Uh, every, and you know they're, they're continually archaeologists are you aware are continually working in the abbey and they, they still haven't discovered all the stuff that's in there yes you would think they'd have a thing like that under control you, you imagine the Westminster Abbey is something like a big Lincoln Center you know or a big Fifth Avenue church or something forget it it is not it's like a man-made cave that was made by so many men over such a long period of time that everybody's forgotten what was in there. It's like the biggest closet the world has ever discovered or known. Have you ever looked through your closet and continually finding stuff that you had forgotten about? So for crying out loud, yeah, the red tennis shoes, you know? Oh, yeah. And vaguely, you, you remember red tennis shoes. And then 
if you look through a closet that you haven't really looked through for some time, you will find stuff you don't even remember having, you know, like a tie or a strange pair of pants or something that you can't even remember. Well, the Westminster Abbey is like some giant closet that has stuff in it that nobody even knows about nor even remembers. And they keep uncovering things. They keep, like somebody will be dusting off something back of something underneath the pipes and they will come across a strange inscription written in some tribe, some, some lost tribe. <laughs> they chopped it in there and they buried the sandals of some ancient king. You know? <laughs> and nobody knows how or why or who or what. That's the truth. Well, you get in there and you look up and, and people are walking and they have a few little pews. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it goes off into the distance and there's this gray English light that comes in through it. This gray, strange sea light that just sort of filters in. And for that instant, you, you, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you stand there and you look out just like those guys beating the tom-toms. You want to fall in. You want to you want to stand up on, on on some of the pews and in some all some long forgotten language. You want to say in hoc agricola conch in spillauk. Hoyas 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 in est locamarastala chanavadaro. You don't know why. Yeah, you know. It's a weird scene. And there's a peculiar parallel between the two scenes. It really is. And then, then you know, there are other kind of scenes. Like one time, and you have to be around them. I guess you can't get this from the newsreels. You, know? you, you, you just don't get it from the film. Most people live, I'm, I'm afraid, vicariously today. They see things in films or they read about them in books. They hear somebody talk about them, for that matter. And... It, it's very different. Uh, all these things, uh, the, the film, the talking about, the, uh, the writing about, are all secondhand. Believe me. Have you ever read anybody? Our modern writers, all the way back to Chaucer, I mean, modern writers, they, they, they write, no matter how much they write about sex, they still don't say it, you know? Okay. Secondhand. This you know is secondhand. Well, what makes you think the other stuff is realer <laughs> that they write about? Forget it. Well, about, oh, it seems like now a hundred years ago once in my past. I am doing a show, but not really a show, with a group of old guys who had come up from New Orleans. I mean, really old men, all of whom, I think with one or two exceptions, are dead now. These guys were playing jazz when Louis Armstrong, believe me, was fooling around playing stickball. These guys were, were they, they went back. Buddy Bolden was called the kid to these guys. Yeah, that's true. Most of these guys were born right after the Civil War. And they were blowing. Now, what they blew is very different from what you hear being blown today. They had old flugelhorns. A couple of guys had baritone horns, yeah. One guy had a cornet. There were two guys blowing jugs. 
One guy was on a was on a the most ancient base I've ever seen in my life. It must have come over from France. Must have been used for minuets at one time. Yes, it was a strange kind of an instrument. And these guys, well, another guy had a clarinet, but a, a strangely fat clarinet. It was like somebody had made a clarinet in the attic somewhere. It wasn't a very good clarinet, but he was blowing it. And these old guys sat around with absolutely white hair, completely white hair. Now, almost every one of them, those who weren't bald. And some of them were very fat, and some of them were very, very skinny. There was no in-between. And these old guys sat around and blew. I knew them, you see. I had been, I knew these guys at that time. And so they're blowing and hollering. One guy's playing a washboard. There's about nine of them. Now, these guys were all at that time in their 70s. Yes, they were. They were in their middle or late 70s. When I say 70s, I mean 70s. They were really up there. And they were blowing like stuff you never heard in your life. They were blowing away there, and I stood back, and I couldn't figure out what they, were, what they had to blow about. These old colored men who had never known one, uh, as far as you and I and the most of us in the world today, you know, know, they had never known one moment's rest in their whole lives. These guys worked in laundries. They worked in shoeshine parlors. They worked in, in cornfields. They worked in cotton bogs. They did it all, you know. And here they were sitting up there blowing and hollering. Just blowing and hollering. You never heard anything like it. They're just a blowing and shouting away. And I'm sitting there, you know, and I figure, yeah, I want to fall in with these guys. You don't want to grab a whole bunch of, a handful of, of thimbles, you know, and start beating on a washboard. I don't know what they were blowing, but you knew what they were blowing. They were blowing. And I find myself, now I had no point of contact with them really. My world was totally different from theirs. And yet, as they would blow, I would say, sometimes out aloud, yeah, I know. <laughs> what did I know? What did they know? What do those guys in the Abbey know? I don't know. What about that guy standing around next to the place that was selling the plastic toilet seats in Enigu? What did he know? I don't know, you know. I don't know. And, and it, it, it takes so many forms. I remember one time, it does, it really takes millions of forms. What it is, you don't know. I remember there was this, this, this record that one of my grandfathers, the same grandfather, by the way, that crowed like a rooster. This, this old duffer would get up every morning and crow like a rooster. But whatever it was he did, it seemed to make sense. He'd crow like a rooster. Then immediately after breakfast, he would go into what passed for the library. Had a collection of these leather books that nobody ever opened behind glass things, you know, glass kind of leather books. They were just like big, expensive, dust-collecting wallpaper there. They never read them. And he would go into this place, he would wind up his phonograph, and he would start to play this wild record. This guy blowing his horn, yes! 
this guy blowing a horn. And we'd come in, you know, kids, you know, we'd stand around there. My mother would, would put down the dish rack and say, hey, you're playing the record again, aren't you? And this old grandfather would just stand there and look at the record player, the Victrola, while this thing is playing. Every time at this point, he would bust up. <laughs> and this kid, you know, a very literal-minded kid, what are they laughing at? Hey, Grandpa, what are they laughing at? He wouldn't say anything. He'd just stand there by that Victrola. Hey, what are they laughing at, Grandpa? <laughs> My kid brother would start laughing. I said, what are you laughing at? The next thing I know. <laughs> I'm laughing. And I'm standing there saying, yeah. I'm sucked into it again. Yeah, man. Now, what was the connection between these 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 wild insane laughers and that old duffer walking around in the Westminster Abbey with a long stick looking like somehow he owned Stonehenge and was in fact probably one of the stones there was a peculiar connection <laughs> Those guys sitting around blowing their jugs. That guy playing the Hogan twanger there in the middle of Nigeria. I don't know. This cat down on McDougal Street throwing his wine bottle out. This guy sitting down trying to write this fantastic thing. He'll never get out. He'll never make it. really don't know. By George, I'll bet I'll knee deep. I think I'll be hip deep in tracks by tomorrow morning. <laughs> and yet that old escalator keeps going, you know. That old escalator keeps moving up and down sideways, up and down, back and forth, spreading out. Every And everybody's on it, though. That's the one thing you got to remember. Everybody, everywhere, any place I've ever been have been on it. Every place. No matter where you go. No matter what color. No matter how big or how little. They're all on this fantastic escalator. This indescribable escalator. This unimaginable escalator. And they all figure that the direction they're going in is the right one. Every direction. And maybe it is. Maybe that's the secret. Maybe it is. Perhaps that's not the secret at all. Well, you know, you know that they're working on on a on a on a million theories that that are difficult to describe without going into mathematics and stuff. But have you ever heard antimatter? You know, you know antimatter. Yes, uh, it's an extension of an old Newtonian law of physics that for every action there is a reaction. In short, if you push somebody, you are 
expending forces that go in the opposite direction equally. Now, you may not know it, but it's true. <laughs> That's a very complicated law of physics in spite of the fact that it seems so simple. You know, say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For every action, there's a reaction. Well, that law is being expanded into other directions, like, like into socio and, and uh, psychological directions. But there is a concomitant law which has to do with the law for every bit of matter there is its equivalent antimatter. Oh, boy. <laughs> I knew that would throw you. <laughs> In short, if it's mitt, let's, let's simplify it like infinitely. If you have a fielder's mitt, there also exists a negative fielder's mitt. What? <laughs> That's right. That'll hold you. That's antimatter. But it really isn't so simple. It isn't, it isn't just a negative fielder's mitt. They roughly say that matter is positive, antimatter is negative. That'll hold you for a minute. Mull that one over. Well, it could quite conceivably be that uh, you know the answer that we're looking for.